excuse me. Bless uh, welcome to the virtual cafe. I'm Shegilola Salami. I'm full of germs and I'm ill. Please show me some sympathy. Who's here? Who's <laughs> <laughs> laughing? Tea and sympathy. Yes. <laughs> I, I have a great deal of sympathy for being sick. <laughs> Thank you very much. Now, that's a voice I've not heard in my cafe before. Who have I got here? You have Brandy M. Miller. That's right. My first name is a liquor and my last name is a beer. And I'm not sure what kind of mixed drink that would make. I've actually never had the courage to try it. Oh, I ah. think it might work if you had a pink brandy and maybe an apple beer, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> See, even the little human, she, she's finding that quite interesting. <laughs> well, you know, little humans tend to find me very interesting. Yes, and she, she started nursery, so she's insistent on letting her vocabulary increase. Um, so much more. So that's why she's she's making sentences, but I don't fully understand what the sentences are. So please, you know, if you can figure out whatever she's saying, then by all means, please do translate. Well, by the time by the time you begin to understand what she's oh, saying, sorry. you'll be fifteen, and then you won't understand anymore. So there's a short window of time <laughs> <laughs> because when she's a teenager, you'll go right back to not understanding her. So oh, yes. fun and games, fun and games. So, Brandy, what do you do? I help aspiring authors and entrepreneurs get their books out of their heads and onto the page so they can make money, make a difference, and achieve their dreams. That's what I do. Okay. When I'm not busy writing my own books. Okay. Brandy, you're holding out on us because I've gone to Google you, right? And Google is your friend. You're holding out on us. Tell us the good stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, right now, we are working on this great project, and it's called 40 Day Writer Reality TV. Mm, and basically, great. what it is, is 40 writers competing over 40 days to finish, polish, and pitch their books to publishers, who then compete Shark Tank style for the rights to publish those works. And um, so we're kind of excited about that, because... We're planning to launch a crowdfunding campaign starting March 1st. And then 20 days before that, we're going to be um, doing a free 40-day writing challenge to kind of help people see that writing a book in 40 days is a real possibility. Yes. Because <laughs> a lot of people, you know, have heard, you know, before I wrote my first book, I had heard so much about writers who took years and years and years to write their books that I just naturally assumed that that was the timeline that it had to take. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't until I started participating in National Novel Writing Month, which is NaNoWriMo, that I realized that writing a book in less than 40 days was not only possible, but very doable. Um, if you were disciplined enough to do it. And so that's that combination of that. <laughs> okay. Our tiny human is being very talkative today, isn't she? She is very talkative. So basically, she went to nursery, right? You think you send someone to nursery to go and socialize and have fun. And she goes there, <clears throat> picks up germs. And because she loves me so much, she had to share the germs with me. So basically, my head feels like it's fallen down. And then, so she's a bit clingy because she's got gunk all over. And then again, and the little humans seem to think that mucus is delicious. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> they think a lot of things are delicious. I mean, mud pies, you know, whatever. 
Yes, but thankfully, thankfully, we've not gotten to the stage yet of eating sand. Touch wood. <laughs> that I'm, I'm not sure I can handle. Yeah. But you said, yeah. who is we? I have brought on board with the, um, the show uh, quite a group of coaches. Because okay. the idea is that once the writer makes it to the show stage, I want them mentally and emotionally and fully prepared to not just write their book, but to step up to a publisher and be a partner with that publisher so that they okay. get the results that they really want out of the book. Because a lot of people write the book and then they think it's going to be the publisher's job to promote it and sell it. Yes. And the reality is that's not how it works anymore. It might yes. have worked that way once upon a time, but publishers expect you to promote your own book. They expect you to have your own audience. They expect you, well, to kind of partner with them. And a lot of authors aren't ready for that. So the idea of the show is not just to get them finished with their book by the time the 40 days is over, but to have them ready to be a partner. Yeah. So they'll get training in sales and, and networking. They'll get training in marketing and branding themselves. They'll get training in um, how to present themselves and how to do public speaking. They'll get training in all, just everything you can imagine. Mindset training, time develop, time management strategies and confidence. Um, we got book proposal writing and pitch development. So the whole gambit and then PR and media outreach too. Okay. It's just going to be a really powerful opportunity for those writers that make it to the show. Perfect. Now, Tara, you know, you've not introduced yourself yet. <laughs> well, I'm just listening sort of fascinated here, but I guess I should speak up and, and say hello to everyone. Uh, my name is Tara Woods-Turner, and I Can you am... shout? Because I can't hear you properly. Shout. That's so... <laughs> Usually people have to tell me to be quiet, so I love this. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I think it might, it might audio on my end. Um, is, this, is this better? Just shout. We like it when you shout. <laughs> oh, okay, I I feel like I'm yelling, but tell me when when it's a, at an acceptable level. Is this better? That's better. Yeah, that was better. Okay, this is odd. Okay. Um. Yes. No. But my name is, is Tara Woods Turner, and I'm the best-selling author of Beyond Good Manners, How to Raise a segment on the woman's cave nice and it's called books and company and basically it's it you know what you see is what you get it's just talking about great books with the great people who write them and read them um I, i'm sure i do other things i can't think of them right now but but basically an author uh blogger podcaster i you know oh i'm also an etiquette consultant which is how i came uh to write my first book so so yes, yeah, so so happy to be on the show today. This is a fascinating show to be on. So um, uh, sounds lots of questions, Mandy. As as we go along, they're just sort of piling up in my head here. I think one question I would ask you um, just at the beginning is: It's interesting because I think um, as the the skills that make you a good writer mm -hmm. aren't necessarily the skills that make you a good author, and I think that's probably a comes as a surprise to some of 
to some of us. Uh, right. Would you say that that's, that's the case? Yeah, I would say that that's the case because knowing how to write a book is not the same as knowing how to go out there and pitch that book or sell that book. Um, there's a whole slew of skills that, and, and truthfully, most writers are introverts. So these are areas where they really struggle because it yes. requires relationship <laughs> building. It requires reaching out to people that you don't know. It requires um, making yourself as visible as possible, which you know, I, I think in a way it's kind of a, <laughs> a twisted situation that we put um, the world's most introverted people in a situation where they have to be in the public spotlight. <laughs> yes. Very, that's, that's, a, that's very difficult for, for me, just speaking personally as an author. That is probably, I think, the most, uh, one of the most difficult aspects of it for me as far as, uh, you, because, you know, I can write all day, every day. I can, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, and, and to a certain extent, I, I very much enjoy engaging, you know, with people, mm -hmm. but it's, I think we're proud of the things that we accomplish, not the things that we're naturally good at. Right. And to some extent. So I'm really proud of myself when I, when I network because that is hard for me. That, that right. is not, not necessarily easy for me. Right. Exactly. And so the reason that I'm putting, put together the team of coaches for the writers is that I understand that, that, you know, we're, mostly introverted because I struggled for years. I wrote my first, oh, well, I, I should say, I wrote my first book in 2004, but I published my first book in 2012. Oh, there's but, quite a gap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, there, there was a big gap to getting my head out of the space where I didn't think I could publish to the, to making the decision that I would publish. Right. And, um, so I published in December, 2012, but, I didn't sell very many copies of my book because, first of all, I self-published, kind of. And um, I went through a friend who was going to start a publishing company. So it's kind of like self-publishing, only not. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> none of the advantages of self-publishing and all of the pain of working with a publisher. <laughs> oh, that's, that's not a good hybrid model. <laughs> no, no, it's not a very effective hybrid model, which is why two books later, I decided I was done with him as a publisher and I was going to take it up myself and just do yeah. it myself. But anyway, so I published that first book, but I didn't sell very many copies because I lacked the confidence to promote myself. Yes. You know, I wasn't getting out there and I wasn't making myself visible. And, um, as a, one of my friends put it last year, he said, you're the best kept writing secret on the internet. We need to change that. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, thank you, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. So, so how did you, how, I mean, what is the, what are the first steps like in that process? Because it's daunting. So I think I, what, I, I would imagine the first step is accepting and embracing the fact that, Hey, I've, Got, I've got something to say here. I've got something to share. Right. Well, I think the first step, especially when you're trying to figure out how to promote yourself, is to learn to put your book into a sentence. Just learn to tell uh, people how that book is going to be interesting. You know, what, that what the, the book has elevator to offer. Pitch? Yeah, kind of. You know, because really, Microsoft did a study, and basically you have eight seconds to capture somebody's attention. Not so, a lot of time. No, no, that's not a lot of time. So if you don't have something already that you know how to say and that flows easily out of your mouth when you do, that's going to get their attention, you've kind of lost them. 
already. And you don't usually get a second chance because by then they're bored and they've moved on to something else. Yes. Thank you, television, for teaching us that 15 minutes is all the time span we have. <laughs> yes, I, I was I was going to remark on that. It, and it's and it's and it's shrinking. It's actually getting smaller mm -hmm. and smaller. Well, so it's kind of with all the social media interruptions we have. Yes. Yes. That's, that's, <clears throat> so that, that's quite a challenge for people who, you know, they're trying to convey what I mean, you, it's something that you, you poured, you know, so much of your life into and so much time into, and you've got to reduce it to a, a quick soundbite that will get, you know, people interested, not an easy task, exactly. but, it, but it can be done. Right. Well, I kind of figured out a formula and actually on my website, you know, if you give me your email address, I will offer you that formula for free. But, you know, I done have figured out a formula that allows you to condense your book idea into a single sentence so that you can capture their attention. And really, once you've got their attention, once you've got them asking questions, then it becomes really easy to promote your book because the flow happens, the conversation happens. It's like the reason that I'm able to catch people's attention about the rea reality TV show is I can paint the picture for you in one sentence. I, right? I have, yes, I, I, I have to admit when... When Shagila asked you, um, you know, to introduce yourself and to, to talk about your program, you, <laughs> I, 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 it, it really stood out that you were able to boil it down. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, it was sort of like a perfect combination of feature and benefit. Exactly. Like, so right. I, I find I can't imagine I, that would be me sitting and scratching out one idea after the other of how to to sort of encapsulate my, my product. Right. And, and that is where most people struggle is in the, how do I condense it down to a single line? Um, because it's such a big idea. How do I make it small? And really it's about getting to the heart of what you're going to, to be doing and why that matters. Right. right? What's in it for somebody else? Because that's where the catch is, right? Everybody wants to know what's in it for them. Yes. I mean, because I, you know, the the last uh, numbers that I saw, um, you know, this was current as of fall of of two thousand and sixteen. The average American reads uh, roughly twelve books a year, and that mm -hmm. is, I mean, that that just getting a reader's attention is prime right. real estate. I mean, it's. It, obviously it's not impossible because we have so many authors who are really, you know, uh, captivating readers. But if, if you look at how many books people read per year compared to how many books are published, how do you cut through the noise? I'm sure understanding what your book has to offer is, is a big part of that, but what an uphill battle. Right. But the first part of it is actually identifying who you want reading that book. And if you're a fiction writer, your main character is your key to figuring out who the audience really is. Ah, so you're saying this isn't necessarily a bad thing. It forces us to, to, to funnel, to focus. Exactly. Yeah, it, and that's just it. I mean, when you, when you can clarify who your audience is, you know, who is really this, this book's target, um, then it becomes easier to figure out what they need to hear in order to become interested in that book. Ah, uh, so it's, 
it, it necessarily helps you cut through some of your own, some of the noise. Precisely. Oh, okay. sorry. Then you're not. Can I just can I just cut in there? So I've, I've been settling down and letting my nose and all the gunk and stuff, you know, calm down a bit. I don't particularly like hear letting people hear my voice. I like my voice to normally be sexy, but you'll have to bear with me today. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm just interested in your reality program. I mean, the other stuff, you know, it is all nice and interesting, but I want the big details. Tell us, you know, get me excited about your, your okay. reality TV program that's that's what i'm keen about yeah definitely um no we start the uh free 40-day writing challenge will start february 18th and that's to get people in the mindset that yes you can write a book in 40 days and then 20 days later we kick off the crowdfunding campaign and the open casting competition and the open casting competition is going to be done in five levels the first level is really simple you're just going to have to condense your book idea into a single sentence and tweet it and then oh. we'll look at how many tweets we get how many likes shares and comments we get for the people who are participate and that is what we determines whether they go on to the next round so really the goal is to help writers not only articulate but start building their audience from the very get-go even before they've gotten on the show, so that everybody who participates is a winner. That's what I want. I don't want any losers in my competition. Everybody yeah. wins just yeah. by showing up. You know, if you have the courage to put yourself out there, we will help promote you. I um, do. So after, so after the after um, after the first round, it, is it is it going to be like a multi-city? No, actually, the next round is that you get to record a 30-second commercial promoting your book idea, right? Okay. You get to, so you, and you post it on YouTube, and then again, it's likes, shares, and, and comments that get the, determine who, who goes on to that next round. I see. Okay, and, so, so the cream rises to the top. So what, uh -huh. Why don't you take us like take us from the from the from the beginning? Okay, so when this launches on February eighteenth, what can we expect at each step of the process? Yeah, uh, so February eighteenth, when you do you sign up for the forty day challenge, and so for the first twenty days, I'm just going to teach you what you need to know to get your book written in forty days, so that you can see, see that it's a viable possibility for you or for anybody who really wants to do it, and that is. You know, not only am I going to help the writer doing that, but it also basically, you know, gets them excited about the idea. Okay, mm -hmm. maybe it could be for me. Maybe I should participate. You know? right. And, you know, so that by the time March 1st comes and we kick off that crowdfunding campaign, that they are primed and ready to follow along with the steps of the competition. Because okay. I want people... Statistics have said that 80 to 90% of people have a book in them or believe they have a book in them, but they never sit down and write it because they don't know who would want the book. You know, they, they tell themselves, well, nobody really wants to hear from me. You know, I don't uh, really have anything to offer. Right. And they end up talking themselves out of it. But the truth is we all have a story to share. Everybody has something of value to share. And I want people to see that. You know, that if you will just step up and share what you've got, you will find you, you, you've got an audience who wants to hear from you. Okay, so, so they'll, they'll start the engagement process with, with sort of accessing mm -hmm. uh, exactly. those skills. And then on March 1st, 
then start sharing and testing their content, right? Because the big deal with the publishing industry and the reason I feel like it's failing is because we do the stupidest thing we could possibly do. No company in the world puts a product out there that they haven't tested a million times over and been sure that people want. Right. Whereas with the book industry, we write it first and then find out. It's like the throwing the spaghetti against the wall, right? We write it and then we find out whether or not there's somebody who wants it. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's great. If you're going to write a book and it's just for you, that's fantastic. Do that. You don't have to write for an audience. But if you actually want to sell copies of your book, you need to know if there's going to be somebody on the other end wanting to buy it. Okay. So, so that's why, so that's where the, the social proof sort of mm -hmm. comes into the equation, just getting that real time feedback from, from real. Exactly. Readers. Exactly. Okay, so from the real people who might be reading your book. These are real individuals. These are the people saying yes with their social vote. This right. is a book so, I want. So, okay. This, so the, is the book at this point now it, the book is in the treatment phase or are we yeah. still no, we're, we're still prepping, you know, we're still okay. testing and refining. So then um, after the 32nd um, commercial and we move on to the third round and they go on Facebook and they write out basically what would be the equivalent of the back of their book. Right. So ah. a single page synopsis, that dreaded single page synopsis, you know, that every right. writer hates. <laughs> but I'm going to teach them how to do it in the 40 day writing challenge. So, you oh, know, wow. it's not going to be a stressful situation. If they've been following along, they'll know how to get it done. Okay. And in fact, I'm going to teach them how to build their book, starting with that sentence, going on to the commercial format, and then building up to the synopsis. So right. they'll have been doing this all along. They won't have so to worry about it. Okay. Exactly. And then, you know, once that's done, then we move to the fourth round. Now, the fourth round, if we cannot raise the money we need during crowdfunding, we're going to have to charge an entry fee. And it's going to mm -hmm. be a hefty entry fee, but we'll teach them how to get sponsorships if they need it because it's going to be a $2,500 entry fee. Okay. So, so, so uh, let me back up just for, just for one second because mm -hmm. we're getting down to the, to the nitty-gritty now. The, the yeah. Okay. How many uh, entrants? Are, are going to be winnowed out at each level. So how many- We'll how take many the winnowed? top 10% for each level. Okay, I see, I see. So that we're funneling down slowly but surely, narrowing down. And, um, but you know, even if they don't make it past round one, they've still started building a following, you know, and oh, they still know what to do to follow up on their book. Even if they don't, don't make it past- do it. Right, exactly. And even if they don't make it past round two, they've started building a following they know that they can do it, right? I mean, so every stage is designed to help them build confidence so that they can see that, yes, my book has merit. Yes, my book has potential. There are people that want it. Okay. So after after um, the Facebook phase, then it right. begins to get really interesting because, you know, at this point, the the participating authors, they've had, you know, over, you know, two to three different layers mm -hmm. of, of approval and excitement for this idea. So, mm -hmm. so, so where do we take the idea from, from there? Okay. At so point? at this point in time, they, they will be invited to a special webinar. They'll get to meet all of the coaches that are going to be on the show and they'll get to find out exactly what's going to be involved on their part. 
And then they'll be told that, okay, if you want to, you know, depending on how much we raise with crowdfunding, for every $250,000 we raise, we get to drop the price of the entry fee. Mm-hmm. But because it's $250,000 to film the first four days alone. Right. So, <clears throat> so we need to make wow, sure that Wow, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Kind of scary, so, right? So, what sort of, um, so, okay, right. Just so I understand this, though. Is it, so, it's the, when you, the first few bits up to stage three, isn't that virtual? Yes, all of it's online. Okay. Yeah, but then it's from stage four that you then need to do the filming. Well, not yet. No, stage four, they need to submit query letters with ah, their entry right. fee. And then right. we will pick through the query letters to stage five. Stage five, they will have to submit basically a business proposal on how they're yeah. going to sell that book and what they think the market is. You know, obviously, this will be refined later on, but it, it will help them that even if they don't make it past stage five, they've still gotten their head how they could sell this book. Yes. So you want to raise, for your crowdfunding um, crowdfunding campaign, how much do you want to raise with it? With the crowdfunding campaign, we're going to set the target at $250,000. But for the total show, we need $2.5 million. Whoa. Yeah, it's a lot of money to, to film over 44 days. So... So wow, is, that's so, amazing. So is the first stage sort of, um, is that the pilot phase to be picked up by? Yes, that's exactly okay. it. Right. That so would be I the amount of voice there. Who have I got here? Someone's just snuck in. Hi, this is Jade. Hi, Jade. Hi, Jade. Hi, Jade. Oh, hi, Will Nuno as well. I knew that someone snuck in. <laughs> it's yeah, okay, I'm sorry. We were late. I just. Yeah, anyway, it's a big catastrophe over here. Our technology didn't want to work. Oh, totally understand. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Hi. So, Jaden Wilner, please tell me. See, I'm just sympathy, right? Because Tara was not very nice. She says that I sound like I've got a country in my nose. Please tell me I don't sound that bad. She sounds like she's got a whole little country in your nose. You sound like a Texan American. Right. Which I don't know if you want to be. I don't know. So hey, I'm a Texan American, so hey. <laughs> With without a head cold. That's right, exactly. without a head cold. Which means you sound southern and proper. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where about in, in Texas? My aunt is from the just outside of Dallas. Oh, okay. All right. I've I've got a friend from the Houston area and my aunt is from the Corpus Christi area. Yeah, that's so, about a 12 hour drive from me. Yeah, and t- I think other than California, that's one of the few states where you can actually say it's 12 hours from me and you're still in the same state. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah, actually, yeah, from tip to tip, if you were to go from the um, top of the panhandle all the way down to the bottom tail of Texas, it would be an 18 hour drive. That's, and that's, that's, that's about, six hours longer than it takes for uh, for us to drive from New York to North Carolina. Actually, yeah, exactly. We could drive Texas is York, huge. Yeah, from New York to North Carolina and then halfway back. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. People have um, who have never been here don't really have an idea, but it, it is a huge state. My gosh. Yeah, Shagila is under the weather. I, I told her she sounds like she has a small country sort of stuffed in her head. 
<laughs> so you mean like England? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, yeah. Okay, sorry. Oh, that's okay. You guys, that is completely off. You were talking. You came in. You were talking about you know numbers and technical stuff and and getting things done. And next thing I know, we're talking about Texas. This is what the ladies hey, do, well, apparently. You know, Texas gets things done. They do. That is true. Very true. Um, so, so yeah, just just to to um, to kind of go back. Actually, I think uh, Brandy, this would be a a great time for you to sort of uh, recap. And, yeah. And and sort of say you get to do your elevator pitch all over again. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. So I'm talking. Yeah. Okay. So I'm talking about 40 day writer reality TV where 40 writers compete over 40 days to finish, polish and pitch their books to publishers who then compete shark tank style for the rights to produce those books. And so the idea is to um, build not just a good writer, but a good author, somebody who is prepared to be a business partner to the publisher by the time that 40 days is over because we're going to have coaches that will train them in confidence and time management so they can make deadlines, which is one of the biggest complaints that editors and agents have is that authors can't seem to make their deadlines. That's never my complaint. (laughs) And then um, mindset mastery. So, you know, that because it's, it's hard work to balance all of this stuff and you have to keep yourself going And we'll also have branding and marketing so that you know how to identify the audience that you're going to most likely appeal to and speak their language and then how, when, and where to present yourself for the greatest impact on that audience. And we'll have sales and networking training so you know how to sell your book and how to build the relationships you need to make the bigger sales. And we'll also have PR and media outreach training so you know how to approach the media and how to get them responding back to you so you don't have to work so hard to market your book. And then we'll also have um, book proposal writing and pitch development and public speaking and um, book launch planning and the whole nine yards so that by the time you're done, you know the book business almost as well as the publisher does. So you're prepared to meet them as an equal. Well, I, I have to, I, I have to, I'm going to be the bad guy here for, for a second. Okay. And ask what, you know, this is, this is, uh, you know, top level or top tier training. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so how, what, what is the publisher? What is, what is, what, what are the burdens or responsibilities then that the publishers sort of have to, to bring to the table? Because this is a lot of, 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 of beneficial knowledge that the author is, 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 uh, mm-hmm. you know, sort of, um, coming out of the gate with it, as well as the, the actual product, as well as the book. Right. So does this, I mean, does this, of course it gives writers a little more authority, mm-hmm. but you know, but, but with, does it let the publisher off the hook? No, not at all. See the publisher, the reason you would want to partner with a publisher at all, is because of their years of experience with books and their years of connections that you would have to spend a lifetime forming. They know industry contacts that you don't. So they're kind of leveraging what they've got and all their resources. And plus you get a whole team of people that'll be helping you to polish that book up 
and editing. put it on the shelves. Exactly. Cover, so even though stuff. you've right, even though you've done editing on the show, you know, that is part of the thing that you have to do. You'll have done some. Their editors have years of experience that they bring. They're um, proofreaders and they're beta testers and they're all their all the good stuff that they have to offer. They're going to marry that with your package. So you're now prepared to be an equal so you can bargain better and get better money out of it. But they still have a lot to offer. Especially since you, you, you're showing that you, that you understand the process. Right. Exactly. That you right. get what goes into this. Right. And, you know, and that's the real advantage is that publishers, seven out of eight or seven out of 10 books that a publisher puts out there doesn't ever make them more money than the advance on royalties. Right. That that's true. why the publishing industry is going under. And so I want to change that model so that when they pick up a book from this show, they know they've got buyers that are chomping at the bit to buy it. They don't have to. One of the reasons it takes so long for the manuscript, the finished manuscript to get from the publisher to the bookshelf is that once they've agreed to pick up an author, they then have their sales team go out and work hard to sell it. Right. And if they can't sell it, the contract dies. The book won't see the light of day. So this gives them a guarantee. Yes, you'll be able to sell this book by the time this is done. You know, they don't have to worry about the contract falling through. They don't have to worry that they're going to pick up a book that's going to end up with a bunch of returns. Because there there have been so many, you know, opportunities, you know, at, at each step in the process to to actually show numbers and say you know i have you know this exactly many likes or this much social engagement so exactly right and Far you know risk right exactly we're mitigating the risk for everybody so that you know the effort that the author is putting in they know that they've got an audience they know they're not going to be wasting their time writing mm -hmm. a book that nobody's then going to want to read the publisher knows that if they buy the product you know, if they sign the contract, they're not going to be picking up a book that's going to end up costing them so much in returns that it's ridiculous. Um, and that that is a fear of theirs. It's one of the reasons why they don't tend to pick up new authors is because they can't guarantee the sales. Exactly. And so we're taking that fear out of the equation for them. And so when, oh, I'm sorry. So at what point does does the, the show go from virtual to to live to actual reality. after round five after round five when they've submitted their business proposals we pick out the 40 that will actually be appearing on the show and we issue the invitations to them they get to come on the show um we will be paying for them to get there we will be paying for them to stay there we will be paying for their food the whole time so you know they're they're not going to have to worry about any added expenses after they get there um okay. And how long is this? Are you sure you're going to want to pay for writer's foods? Because, I mean, we eat a lot as we write. Yes. <laughs> yes, I know. See, I, I have the benefit <laughs> of being a writer, so I understand. And yes, yes, I've allocated a healthy budget. <laughs> you could be in the red. No, no. Are, are all those from all over the world invited or just America? No, no, I'll, all over the world. Although um, I am working with somebody to put a show specifically in London. So, <laughs> yeah, so this the United States will be where we start the launch. We're going to do the first season in Chicago. 
but I'm already in talks with somebody in London to start hammering out details for doing a show over there too. Ooh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And then we've got a, I've got a third person that I'm working with on the potential of bringing it to Australia or India. We haven't decided yet. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I'm curious, uh, Brandy, do you think that, you know, you know, sometimes a show is proof that, you know, an idea has, has come. Do you mm -hmm. think that, that the fact that a reality show based on writing or authorship um, is part of part of the fact that that's even possible, do you think is due to the meteoric rise in, in the interest uh, in self-publishing? Yes, just, just yes, I do. understanding that I can write a book. Yes, I do think that has a lot to do with it. I mean, I, I it's actually um, partly the technology being so easy to use and so accessible that makes it easier for us to connect all over the world. And then the fact that the tools are available so inexpensively for people to publish their own works. Yeah, that, that lends a bit of it because now there's so much more of an interest in writing because it seems so much more realistic a possibility. But I still do see a whole lot of self-published authors who put their book out there and they never make a dime from it because oh, they yeah. don't know how to make a dime from it. Right. They make I was going to say, I thought it was absolutely hilarious because when you were talking about how, you know, you have to go through and we're going to learn all this stuff. I was like, self-published authors, if they want to make money, they have to learn all of that anyway. Exactly. As well as a top tier person. But by the right. time, you look at a publisher and they say something, you're like, yeah, I know how to do, you know, I, I know something about the topic. So you're never stupid. But right. I mean, if, if you're so close off and you never bother to learn any of this, of course, you're not going to make a dime. I apologize. I just jumped in the conversation. No, no, no worries. <laughs> That's fine. Oh, no, going to no, add. Good. Yeah. No, you're right. A successful self-publisher has to learn all of this. Problem is most of them aren't <laughs> successful. Um, yeah. So bringing on the <laughs> we keep we keep bumping into each other. So I know, right? <laughs> no, just permit me. What I was going to say when you were talking about location is that mm -hmm. one place that I think would be a really good market for you is mm -hmm. if you brought the show to Africa because there is this um, person that I follow on Twitter, and apparently in Nigeria there is almost like a festival for writing, and because it's quite sunny there. What they do is they do like an outdoor grill and, you know, you have um, all these authors, um, local authors, they just come there and they start, you know, doing book readings for their books and stuff like that because they don't really have like publishers and stuff. And so it's like this really, it's not really big yet, but it's this sort of grill and books type festival. So, and I, I think it would do well if you did actually bring something like that to Africa. Too. Oh, I would love to. No, I mean, actually, that's my plan eventually is that every place should get there their season um oh that's you know, because, like traveling like around yeah. the world that sounds cool because you know the thing is that everybody around the world has a story to tell yeah everybody around the world has something to offer and i want people to see more of each other and less of the labels that we like to attach to each other yeah so true <laughs> because yeah, you know for a writer right exactly and it's you know, last year I did a whole lot of ghostwriting. Um, I would sit there and interview people. And, you know, it's amazing that you can attach a label very easily to someone until you know their story. 
and then they stop being a label and they start being a human being. Mm. You know, and (laughs) and so (laughs) at that point in time, it becomes very hard to hate them because in their story, you see a whole lot of yourself. And I think that if we really want to build a world where there's more peace, then we need more stories. We need more storytellers. And we need more people who are trained how to tell stories. Because writing is the path to building that peace. That's where we find that common ground. Exactly. Exactly. And and they've they've, uh, said it before that people who read fiction, and I suspect this would be true with autobiographies too, although there's a danger in an autobiography that the uh, autobiographer is glossing over some parts of their story because they're not particularly proud of moments of their life. Whereas with fiction authors, we're absolutely ruthless with our characters. (laughs) They don't get to hide the stuff. So, you know, but fiction, reading fiction actually helps you build empathy because it helps you to see that even the bad guy has a story. And, you know, that story is often quite sad. And they get to the point where they get not because they're a horrible individual but because of the choices that they made in how to address the same problems that the hero was fighting. Well, that's why Game of Thrones was, is, is so surprisingly um, mm-hmm. acceptable or so surprisingly good is because, it, honestly, you, you sort of have to struggle to find a character to love that is, quote, unquote, the good guy. Right. You know, I'm and- sorry. I disagree with you, Tara. The oh. only one that was, you know, genuinely good was Ned Stark, and they killed him early. And he he was killed <laughs> at the be- at the very beginning. Exactly. <laughs> Jon Snow. I mean, he's made some well, decisions, yeah. but for the for the most part, he is the genuinely good guy. Well, but he is still, a good guy. It's not that there are no good characters, right? But it's it's very hard. I mean, this this is a very dense book. This is such right, a, and there are so many major and minor well, characters. I think what George R. R. Martin did that was very smart was in the first book, he, he taught you to hate certain groups of people, to see them as entirely evil. Absolutely. And then and in, the next group, in the next book, he forced you to walk with them. And man, I did not want to do that. I did not want to hang out with Jamie Lannister. Exactly. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. I did. I was very, like... I was like, there's something that had to go wrong that's missing from his life that had to make him this way. But then again, this is the chick who loves every jerk that has ever walked into her life because she wants to know their story. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, we have our motivation. That's my problem. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, in real life, I do have that same attitude that everybody who's a jerk to you has got to have a story, right? You know, right. that there's there's a reason why they're a jerk and that that kind of piques my interest but that's kind of hard to get when you know that that person pushes a child out of a window yeah exactly but But in a fiction book i give myself permission to hate characters (laughs) but that but that just shows martin's skill the fact that right you know jamie is is actually a part of the conversation you know when it comes to likability that's just right that's fascinating that you know um just like you said like just because it's fiction and we're getting into these characters' heads, it's like, okay, wow, there is something to know or like about this person. Right, and Jamie's real weakness isn't that he tossed the kid out of the window. You know, I'm not saying that that's a great thing, but um, his real weakness is that 
he'll do anything for those he loves. Yes. He he has no no ability to say no to them. And that's the difference in in that So I finally fixed our problem. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's but that's that's part of the skill um, mm-hmm. of, of, of good writing. And like you said, you know, we were talking earlier about feature and benefit, right? And you know, it it is that ability to get inside the enemy's head and to sympathize and empathize with them, and to see that sometimes we are the enemy. Sometimes it's us. So, so I, I'm really uh, interested in how did this idea come come to fruition? Tell us a bit a bit about that. Because yeah, absolutely. Last year, it started last year, at the end of December 2015. I had this idea that I wanted to build a writers retreat center, but it was way outside my budget. And so I sat down. And I thought, well, what could I do to raise the money for that? And then I thought about, what about a reality TV show for writers? And then I thought, that's a really great idea. How would that work? And I sat down and I started outlining, you know, what you could do in a show like that to make it both compelling. Because, you know, sometimes writing can be like watching paint dry. That's about how much fun it is. (laughs) I concur. And, um... So I wanted to um, put it in a context where it would be exciting. So that was where the time limit came from. So you're kind of gamifying things by reducing the amount of time that a writer normally has to finish. Right. And then you're adding in the layers of um, actually watching them go through competing with each other in a friendly way. You know, but they are competing. There's only going to be eight people who end up walking away with publishing contracts that we know of right on the show obviously my intention is that if they want to go pursue a publisher they should have a following built up enough that they could do that walking off the show day one or heck if they decide that they don't want to publish and they want to self-publish you know they have enough knowledge to be able to do that so how where does the you know where does the competitive angle come in because up until now it's just been right Uh, with the writers gaining, you know, social proof or social validation for their book ideas. Well, they've been competing all along. They've been competing all along. Only the top 10% have moved on to each tier. But once round five comes and they're on the show, every four days, there's an elimination round. They have to turn in 15,000 words of their manuscript every single day. I mean, not every single day. I'm sorry. Back that up. Every three days. Okay, right. For every, and then on the fourth time. day, they get judged, right? The ju- we have celebrity judges who come in, they read the manuscripts, and they decide who goes on to the next stage. I see. Oh, okay. So really, it's it's a man versus, it's writer versus himself. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, that is actually the real competition is can I keep myself on track? Can I keep myself focused? Can I keep right. producing? In the middle of all the distractions, because yes, there are going to be distractions. You know, they're going to have to take time off to listen to the coaches and to do the exercises the coaches tell them to do. So even though they're in a retreat setting, and even though they're away from their normal household duties and everything so that they can focus on their writing, they're still not going to have all day to do nothing but write. 
exactly. they're going to, you know, they're going to have other things they have to do. Which is exactly what's going to happen when they get a publishing deal. Exactly. That, you know, you can't just kick back in your house and write 16 hours a day. That's not going to work. Exactly. And, <laughs> and to add to that, the fact that they will be actively, you know, promoting and marketing the book with their publisher, such as, you know, um, speaking events and book tours, right. et cetera. So it's, it's good to, to I yeah. guess, to already get them into the mindset. Now, you mentioned mindset training. What is... Yes. What is My uh, Bobby Kuntz is somebody who's run Kuntz's Corner for like 20 years. And, and it's motivational, inspirational stuff that comes out every day. And he, he's the one last year that told me, you know, you're the best kept writing secret on the internet. You need to stop that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he is uh, going to be helping them with mindset training so that they get understand that, you know, this is a mindset game more than anything else. This is about mindset. This is about you believing you can. Mm -hmm. This is about you deciding that you're going to, you know, that nothing is going to get between you and your goal. And whatever that goal happens to be. Okay, so and your A-game. Your a yeah, exactly. It's about bringing your A-game every single day. Because that's what it takes to succeed in the industry. That's what it takes to succeed in anything. If you're not bringing your A-game every day, you're losing. And so, yeah. And plus, I, I don't want them to get discouraged once they get eliminated, right? I mean, if I don't give them mindset training and they get eliminated, you know, some people can crumble under rejection. And the last thing I want is to bring them on a show and then have them crumble, you know, in their personal lives because they lost the show. Exactly. Well, and, and you, you know, it sounds cliche, but that you really, that's the, that's the point at which you know, they need to understand that even making it that far is exactly. <laughs> is yeah. But, but as artists, we tend to be really exceptionally hard on ourselves. Um, oh, yes. And so Writers if we don't know about rejection. Yeah, exactly. So if we don't win the A prize, we didn't win any prize. You know, if we don't win the blue ribbon, no other ribbon matters. Like <laughs> Brandy, thank you for explaining everything that I've ever learned about a writer. And also, it's a generational thing because, you know, I think I can speak for, for all of us when I say that our generation, you did not get a prize just for showing up. You know, there was no, you know, participation prizes, which, you know, is very common with, with kids today. You know, you you got a prize when you when you earned it. So there is that sense of if I don't accomplish this, this or this, I really haven't done anything. And that's not that's not always true. Right. Well, one of the things that people have to understand, especially when it comes to writing, the fact that you sat your butt in a chair to even try to type your story out is a win because 80 to 90 percent of people believe they have a book in them, but fewer than 10 percent of that will ever put a butt to chair and try to write it. True. Very true. And of those, fewer than 10 percent of those will ever go on to finish the book. Most of them get stuck at chapter five. <laughs> oh really to, yeah what is most most writers get stuck at chapter five because they start with inspiration seat of the pants i'm going to do this you know just as it comes to me and then about chapter five it stops coming to them and they don't know how to fix that problem wow. so they set it to the side they set it to the side and they think well i'll work on another book idea 
So they go through the process. And I only know this from experience because I have a hard drive full of chapter fives. Oh, that is interesting. That is funny. <laughs> you know, and then I started working with other writers and I realized it wasn't just me. It's a common phenomenon. I think oh, you have to turn to novellas. <laughs> right. Well, you know, yeah. uh, they go and they get to chapter five and then the inspiration dries up. And really what's happened, especially with fiction writers, usually what happens around chapter five is that their ego starts having a wrestling match with the, the characters they're writing. And the characters are trying to take the story in a direction the writer didn't plan on it going. Mm-hmm. And so they stop listening to the characters and the characters stop talking to them. Oh, that's right. interesting. That is fascinating. Because that's- the truth is, this isn't your story. You're just the pin that happened to be picked to tell the story. But we don't realize that when we're first starting to write. <laughs> we think this is our story. <laughs> and characters are not going to have any of that. Well, that's true. I've I've actually um, I'm I'm part of a huge writers group on Goodreads, and I I actually hear that a lot. Um, a, a lot of authors say, you know what? I thought I was going to write X Y Z, and I don't know what happened, but it's just going in this direction, and I'm I'm just going to go with it. And they, yeah. and they say that's the one um, thing that actually prevents them from getting writer's block. Yes, they start exactly. trying to control it. Right. When you I stop don't... trying to control it you'll find the flow again. Oh, this is Winona, and I really quickly wanted to say, I found that, like, when I was, like, right, oh, between 12, no, seven, between 15 and 17, I wrote 26 novels, and I figured that whatever happens is whatever happens. Because, you know, you're writing for fun. Mm-hmm. And then you just, you learn that you listen to those characters and you just follow them. Now, granted, now that I actually have a publishing contract and I have to turn in, like, stuff and all that sort of stuff to make sure that the series is successful, it's kind of hard trying to make those characters do U-turns to fit what I turned in as my outline for the publisher for my next book and for the series. Yes. I don't know yes. how TV writers do it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing is once you've been locked into something then that becomes really hard because yeah. then you have to steer the characters in the direction that the characters are saying, um, yeah, about that. I don't think so. <laughs> and I love how like they get their own voice, right? So they'll start oh, they do. And then they, they definitely to, you know, do. Like, they're going to turn, they're not even going to turn right. They're just going to, you know, get in the car and leave. And they're like, no, I'm going to turn left and go check out the store down there. That's exactly. Like going on. <laughs> and you're like, Wait, I'm I'm sorry. Did you just t- no? Okay, never mind. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll bring well, you back. I'll bring you back to the car. I promise. You make that promise in your head, and the next thing you know, they're like they're getting in the car and they're going in the opposite direction. I'm like, what? yeah, they're trying. They're trying to get you to follow them to the magic. Yeah, exactly. Well, I like to say that if you want to understand what it's like to be God, write fiction. You create a beautiful world. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. It's lovely. You create these fantastic, incredible characters with great lives and destinies ahead of them. And then you put them in the world and you tell them, okay, I want you to do this, but don't do that. And the first thing they do is whatever you told them not to do. (laughs) It's like the ultimate Adam and Eve test. It's like, don't exactly tree. (laughs) tree. True. Oh, you mean this tree? This tree that <laughs> this tree that's right over here? The you one that I don't... top down and now making fruits out of that, that one? Yeah, oh. exactly. Let's see what so, happens though. You know, I mean, because you do, you you love every character in that book, even the bad guy. You love him. And you yeah. cry for him. You know, when he when he gets defeated, you you feel that pain for him. You have to, if you're doing a really good job of storytelling, you have to love that character. 
See, now but you also <laughs> have to allow him to be defeated because justice mm -hmm. must be served. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it, Brandy, can I ask you a quick question? Yeah, Once absolutely. Again, it's, a, it's, a, it's a question that benefits me and me only. I apologize to any and all. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> so um, I, I've been reading romance lately. I hate writing romance. And I thought mm -hmm. I'd just give it a shot. And I have decided that in my romance, I am going to let the jerk of the guy win. How is that going to turn out? Well, <laughs> that depends on the girl. If the oh. jerk of a guy wins her hand, how quick does she figure out that he's a jerk? Oh, no, that's the happily ever after. That's the end of the book. Oh, that's the happily ever after. Well, that's not going to be a happily ever after for long. That's going to need a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say though that I do like bad guys? I think bad guys deserve some love too. Thank well, you, the bad boys do deserve love because the bad boys aren't usually really bad. What's no. usually happening is that they're incredibly insecure. Yes. And they're here's what happens in life is that um bad behavior is usually a cover up for a deep, deep wound. You know, it's it's a place where we haven't healed yes. and it's causing the jerk behavior. And so when somebody steps into your life that loves you absolutely unconditionally, in spite of the fact that you're a jerk, it kind of starts to open you up. And the real person underneath, the person that you could have been if you hadn't been so wounded, starts to come out from behind the wall, starts to emerge and be seen. And then stops being such a jerk because now they believe that they're worth loving because somebody did. Yeah, but sometimes some don't even realize it. Sometimes they really fight it and you're like, oh. you know what? I do not. This is just weird, right? It's like, if I open myself up, is she going to just stab me in the back, right? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. When you, one when of the you reasons I like bad guys, sorry. When you grow up in a household where you aren't really loved, where every bit of love that you experience is manipulation. Yes. Um, and I speak from direct experience because I did grow up in that house. Um, you don't recognize real love when it comes along. Because when my husband stepped into my life and really loved me, I was like, this guy is weird. What's wrong with him? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what to do with this person. You, he didn't, must you not. didn't recognize that. No, I didn't recognize love for what right. it was. Because I'd never experienced it. Mm -hmm. So it, it felt like because he wasn't trying to take advantage of me. He wasn't trying to put the moves on me. He wasn't trying to, you know, get me alone so he could, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he wasn't playing games. He was just no. authentic. He, he was just authentically loving me. And all he cared about was that I was happy. And, you know, I remember standing beside him. We were outside um, and I was watching this girl with much larger breasts than I had at the time. <laughs> and she was surrounded by these guys, you know, and I wanted to be that girl. And I yeah. said so. I was like, you know, I wish guys would pay attention to me like they pay attention to her. And he looked at me and he said to me, you do realize they're around her for her boobs. Do you want guys around you for your boobs or do you want and them you for what? Like, uh, do I have to answer that now? <laughs> He's like, do you want them around you for your boobs or do you want them for what's in your head and your heart? Because that's where your real value is. Oh my goodness, Brandy. I absolutely love you. This is Jade. 
oh, Madonna <laughs> talks to me about, you know, oh, guys are always around you, and I'm, I'm like a bigger chested lady. And I said, it's because I have boobs. Yeah. Around me for my smile. Yeah, well, yeah. And then I have to, like, be like, I'm married, so thank you, get back. Yeah, exactly. Can I ask this question? Seriously, I, can I just really ask this question? Because this is a question yeah, that always goes through my head, right? And I never actually voice it out, because I think if I voice it out, I might sound like a weirder. But, you know, it's just us ladies here. Who cares about who's listening, right? So, right. Why, why do guys, why are guys so fixated on boobs? Like, in my head, it's like, I think, is it that they were not breastfed as child, or were they were not breastfed enough? Why are they so fixated on boobs? It's biological. I think um, it's, it's actually, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Brian. Yeah, it's, it's part of, um, they biologically wired to notice those things because those are signs of fertility. Exactly. They, they're looking for a feature. In fact, a lot of the features that we admire in, you know, in one another are actually those biological markers that, that tell our, you know, sort of tell our DNA, okay, she'll, you know, she or he will make a good mate your children will be healthy and strong and you can keep you know procreating and and you know spread your yes your... and the human race will continue surviving exactly like, yeah. I don't, <laughs> i'd like to offer an, an, a differing a differing opinion of kind of like the nature versus nurture thing but if you read like books from earlier days in the more eastern section it was smaller breasts that continued to be considered as the beauty so you kind of wonder if it isn't more about advertising. It's like more about the nurture of a big breasted culture than it is the actual nature thing. Well, I, I think that, that uh, biology informs your, in other words, nature is informing nurture. And in those areas of the world where smaller breasts are, are considered, you know, more attractive, that means for, you know, for, for, for whatever you know, socio-geological or, or environmental or climate or biological reasons in that part of the world, it is more beneficial to have smaller breasts. Um, so over time, over centuries and centuries and centuries and, and et cetera, um, that becomes the, the biological uh, feature that you're going to respond to when you're looking for a mate. And as such, that means that culturally, those are the women who have more, you know, social value. I mm -hmm. think, I, I think it is both. Um, but I think nature is our strongest drive and nurture sort of shapes it. But in those same cultures now, of course, everyone loves the big breast lady. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, some of it was for a long time, our cultures were really divided. So you didn't have exposure to um, you didn't have exposure to the same food groups and you didn't have exposure to the same um, possibilities. So like, for instance, in Asia, where their diets are mainly proteins and rice and things like that, you know, you're not going to engender larger breasts because mm -hmm. those require some heavily fatty foods to produce and <laughs> but in a culture where there's lots of rich foods you're gonna get those larger breasts and that's what we're seeing in america where a lot of more women are having larger breasts even maybe larger than they were necessarily intended because we have access to that and True. so you know, now that just about everybody can get access to the same foods, you're seeing more and more cultures popping up with bigger boobs. So, 
well, it, it's just so fascinating, isn't it? If, like it, it used to be a sign of beauty if if a woman was above a certain weight. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it still is in certain areas in Africa. Yeah, it is. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who have the compounds? They have. They're like a size twenty six, and they call that uh, thick chicks. Yeah, well, that that was a sign that you were well, uh, you were wealthy. You had access to a lot of food. You you can't get that size without access to abundance, right? And you didn't work, obviously, so you had the luxury mm-hmm. to be able to just sort sort of you know stay at home and absorb calories. So it was a sign of 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 like you said, wealth, and just it was attractive. Mm-hmm. So that that brings into into question, you know, play the the nature. And nurture yeah. thing that that Winona was talking about. It's like which comes first, chicken or egg? I, I very much believe that biology comes first. But well, biology does come first, but there's a nurture. whole lot of environmental influence that goes on from day right. one, exactly. from the moment of conception. You're being influenced by the hormones that your mother secretes. You know, so nurture is actually influencing you a lot more than even nature. Well, actually, but then, but but if that's coming from your mother's hormones, then that's that's nature. It, it's I don't know. It's hard for me to. See. Well, but it's her environment. So whatever she's taking in in her environment. So it's technically, um, it's her nurturing you. She's not aware you're there yet, but she is nurturing you by her choices. So right. it's kind of a balance of nature nurture. I, I think I, it's fascinating. It can is. Can I say with this whole nature nurture thing? Yeah, I just absolutely. want to say that right now, you recognize that we are in a nurtured con- col- uh, climate of non-readership. <laughs> I'm trying to segue this bad boy, so hold on, all right? <laughs> I'm going to go from nature nurture back to the television show. Let's see if we can do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say that um, as well. So we're, in a, we're in a nurtured climate of non-readership in america i'm not sure the same yes. thing true as in london although i did hear that one of your book shows did get canceled over there poor y'all anyway um but with your show you're trying to prove that that we should have a we should go back to our nature environment of where we were readers and people who took in information to survive how do you yeah. plan on this being a successful thing considering that every tv reality t- reality tv show involving writers has failed before because Here's the thing. I'm not selling them on the reading. I'm selling them on the dream of getting their own book out of their heads and onto the page. And the truth is that statistically speaking, 80 to 90 percent of Americans do see themselves as having a book in them. So I'm selling their dream to them. Ah, See, now I like that. Once I read your pitch, uh, that was my question from the get go. I was like, wait, maybe I'm wrong. So I went back to review. But yeah, that that. That will work. It's like they're fulfilling the dream without ever having to pick up the pen. I love that Precisely. Idea. But they're also getting an idea of what will be involved if they do decide to sit down and pick up the pen. So right. that they're not totally clueless when they approach it. They have a good idea of what it's going to take to get their book out into the world. And, and can I say, oh, I was going to say real quick, <laughs> my narcissism on somebody else's show is about to show. I apologize to go wholeheartedly. <laughs> but um, how did I do with the segue? Nice, nice job. <laughs> and it's really funny because on our own show, we never have smart segues, never. So that I'm, I'm proud of you, Winona. <laughs> that takes Sometimes. some skill and talent there. Well, 
it. How many movies do you think are going to come from your book? And that's my last question, I promise. <laughs> from my book? I mean, from your show. Oh, from the show? Well, you know, half of them should be nonfiction. Half of them should be fiction. So let's hope that we get at least four movies that come out of the show. Nice, nice. Anyways, ladies, my nose is still bunged up, and I love you all, guys. But seriously, I gotta kick you out. Seriously. Aww. <laughs> well, thank you for we entertaining us. <laughs> Sorry. We wanted a cup of coffee, and we only wanted a cup of like passion tea. That's how. Well, was. you came late. <laughs> but you know, if you make me do that, right? I know you love me so much, so you're not afraid to have some of my germs. So I'm, I'm actually quite touched now. I will send a little human to go and get it. And she's got loads of boogie, right? And she thinks it's delicious. So would you like hot chocolate with boogie in it? <laughs> with a side of boogie scone? Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. We've got cake as well. We've got strawberry cake strawberry. with chocolate frosting and, you know, a slather of, uh, of boogie on it as well. Very delicious. <laughs> how can Fantastic. we resist it if you, if you put it that way huh <laughs> exactly well, i know you love me so I'll much have a, i'll have a chamomile tea with a lid on it <laughs> <laughs> what she needs is prepare it through the lid <laughs> yeah but then she's probably gonna sneeze on the lid and you go right so when you when you take it <laughs> oh nature and nurture huh <laughs> So oh my goodness drink you know all the germs from the outside you know what it's good for your immunity it yes is. yes it is well mm. i i have one final quick question before before we're kicked out for those of us who who you know who are watching today and they're like yes this is definitely what what you know what i want to do what i want to look into how can writers get in on this great project all they have to do is go to my website at 40daywriter.com. There is a link up at the top that says 40 Day Writer Reality TV. If they will follow that link, there will be a mailing list at the bottom. Subscribe, and I will keep them up to date and let them know when everything is ready to launch. Okay, so is that 40, F-O-R-T-Y? No, it's 40, and then day, like D-A-Y, writer, W-R-I-T-E-R.com. Okay, so just jump on that mailing list and, and they'll be up to So why don't you give us a quick yeah. rundown of, uh, of when this is going to be launching? February 18th, we will be launching the 40-Day Writing Challenge. Um, then March 1st, we'll be kicking off the crowdfunding campaign and the open casting call. Um, so challenge so that they actually start putting their ideas out there and get them tested. And we start the um, rounds of elimination and... Then hopefully July 10th, we begin filming. Okay, so do they have to start at the very beginning of the process to, to qualify or? Is they have some... to begin at March 1st. Okay, um, at least March, by March 1st. Right. Okay. I mean, the deadline for submitting that first tweet, you know, obviously we're taking people based on how many likes, shares, and retweets we get. Mm -hmm. So the sooner you jump on that wagon and put your sentence out there, <laughs> the more likely you are to get moved to the next round. But I mean, if you have a really big following already and you want to wait until that last minute before we make the decision, go right ahead. I'm not going to stop you. But so the, the, the earlier, the better as far as gaining right. social momentum. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, I guess you're going to have to say, right, that you talked about it, you know, on the Shekelala Salami show first, right? Absolutely. I will definitely be talking about that. And thank you for having me in your cafe. It has been an awesome time, ladies. 
It's been my pleasure Same having here. you. Even though oh, I got my. boogie. Tara, <laughs> if people want to contact you, you know the drill. Let's just do it so I can just kick you out and just go and have a sleep. Okay, I'll 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 give my info and take a bow. Um I can be reached at uh on my website, of course, tarawoodsturner.com. T-A-R-A-W-O-O-D-S-T-U-R-N-E-R.com. Um, and from there, it's just really easy for you to, to reach out to me on my, you know, other social platforms. Uh, I'm also on Amazon, Goodreads, iTunes, Barnes and Nobles, uh, but, but definitely www.tarawoodsturner.com. Awesome. Perfect. And we thought... <laughs> And oh, okay. So first and foremost, I want to tell you, Sagola, have a hot toddy for us. That's uh, tea and pour a lot of whiskey in it. It'll help you cold. Well, at least that's <laughs> what my dad tells me. He says either way, you'll get some. Well, you'll, you'll, you'll be you'll, knocked you'll, out, you'll or the cold will be knocked out. One way or the other. Either way is all good. They really so do anyway, work. You can reach us on andwethought.com. You can see our series and I thought series. Um, there's a four there's four books on the series, five books in the series. So you can just look at that on there or also Amazon.com, Bondanoble.com, and and we thought.com. And you can check out Tara's show too, Books and Company. Yay! You can also check Yay! out our pod our podcast, Roku TV channel, YouTube channel, and oh, the new C D that's out. And that's all of that on andwethought.com. Awesome. <laughs> Perfect, ladies. Until next time. Awesome. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Feel better.